0: Okay, Matthew, we are back. It has been like literally two years since we've done this. Hey, everybody. It hasn't been two years, Matthew. It's only <laughs> been like four months. Um, but it is so good to, to do this again. We've talked about doing it for a while and we're finally finally getting to it. Yes. Um, okay, we do need to ask, this is like feels obligatory, Matthew, to ask you a little bit about your summer, about sabbatical. You've been on a, you just got back recently from a three-month sabbatical. Yeah. You guys did, I honestly thought, when you told me what you were doing, I seriously was like, I have a feeling Matthew's going to come back and be like, never again. I, I seriously I was like, you're <laughs> you're going to be away from home for like literally almost three months, two and a half months. Yeah, uh, and I'm like with young kids, and but it sounds like the opposite.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It was 70 days. Like we we did the math. we like we were gone for exactly 70 days, and uh, <laughs> of <Sorry, laughs> course, just, chair is squeaking just, uh, like crazy. A little Jiminy <laughs> glick there. We'll sing over, okay. Uh yes, so seventy days, and they did great. I think we tried to do little chunks of driving, so not hmm. long chunks, but they they had tons of fun. Um, so not long. You didn't do long chunks at all. Well, <laughs> we did. Okay, we did, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Four ten-hour days. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I think, but four. Oh, that's yeah. That is a big chunk. But they were. It was weird, like they because we were free to kind of pull off the road at any time, go see random things that we saw advertised on the road. Hmm, random yeah, yeah, food, yeah. Like. We had enough stops, so which fun. was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they did really well. And I, I, yeah, it was interesting. Um, like the, the questions they're asking, it's been really fun. You've, you've often talked about this age as the golden years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they're just discovering the world mm. and, and, learning you know they're learning about states and they're looking at like license plates to figure out how many states they can write down in their little. yeah book yeah and, yeah um they had little crafts to do in the car and anyway they just they had a lot of fun
0: that's so, so okay you, yeah. you should remind our, our listeners the age
1: of your kids again nine lucy's yeah. nine yeah. ella's eight yeah micah's six yeah that's totally
0: the golden that's the golden window that you're in right now yeah. so good yeah you got about three more years Yeah, (laughs) because the previous, before it felt like the tunnel years. You're just trying to get through. Yep, exactly, yeah. Getting like, help them get clothes on to go outside. Because, yeah, all that's now. You're kind of like, oh, they can do that stuff. You're the hero still. Yeah. You and Tanya, yeah, you guys are, you have all the answers. Totally. You're cool parents. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know, I know. Totally, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Um, And they're learning fun new words. Um, (laughs) And Micah just yesterday, he learned the word dweeb. It's a good it's a good word. Yeah. We don't use that uh, one enough. That one. Yeah. (laughs) He read about it in a book. He was like, Dweeb. And uh he loves using new words. Yeah, yeah. So uh last night when he was going to bed, he like said to Tanya, he's like, Scratch my back, dweeb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so great. I love that. And Tanya was like Micah, you <laughs> cannot call mommy that. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't really know. No, no, no. He doesn't totally. really get oh. it. But he just, he's like, scratch my back, dweeb. And I, we were just howling, laughing. Like, oh, my in word. the moment, you have to, like, parent. Yes, yes. You know, yes. you're to- like, hey, I know. Yeah, okay, totally. But then later on, we were just, like, rolling over laughing. Like, just,
0: yeah. Oh, can, okay. Can I tell you a story that we might have to cut out of this podcast? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. When tell Max, me. seriously, probably Micah's age, yeah. when Max... He was like, he was going to school for something and he was like young and he, it was the same kind of age of learning new words. So he was like, yeah. he was doing his hair in the mirror and stuff. And then he's just like, oh, you know, just like really annoyed. And, and <laughs> yeah, Sherry, yeah, yeah. And we went up and was like, what's the problem? He's like, oh. he's like, I look like a bitch. <laughs> Seriously. And, and we were both just like, like what? And they're like, Max, you, like, where did you hear that word? And he, and he, he had no idea. So he'd heard it from school or something. And he, anyways, do you think we have to cut that? <laughs> it's great. It's innocent. It's okay. That is definitely something you should
1: cut. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) So good. Okay. I'll cut that. All right. And Max. That's such a good story. It is such a good story. I don't know. Maybe leave it in. Yeah. I'll I'll run it by you before we do it. Okay. Okay. Oh Oh, my goodness. Okay. So that's good. I know poor Max. He had no idea. (laughs) Just trying to be cool. Um, Corey. Yes. So how was your summer? Oh, my summer was great. We had a really, it was like, we stuck close to home. Um, we, I did a lot of, uh, what did we do? Like we, we went on a lot of little trips. So we went to, we went to Seattle for the weekend. We went to Souk. We, we like going to Souk. I think I told you about yes. that. We were going to go. Yeah. So we went to Souk, um, which we loved, um, went there with, um, with our family. Um, so, uh, our family, like Isaac and Hannah, um, Ruby brought her boyfriend leaf along, which was fun. Uh, Del, Max's girlfriend couldn't come this time, but, um, we had a great time. Yeah. We loved it. So Sue, Sherry and I went to Maine Island um, for uh, about five days, which was really awesome too. Um, yeah, you sent
1: me a photo from there. Oh yeah, that's re- right. that's great. Right. stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I did some music there, and then we also and then Sherry joined me a few days later, actually, and then we just hung out and such a great, such a great fun island, very kind of hippie and yeah, relaxed and um, so yeah, we had we had a really nice, really nice um, summer. Nothing super adventurous or crazy, but it was but it was really good. Nice, yeah, it's yeah, really great. fun. Um, Matthew, what have you been? Real quickly, we should we need to find out what have you been uh, watching on like Netflix or Prime or Apple TV, whatever you whatever you watch on. What do you, what have you been paying oh, attention to?
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> well we uh, we were watching uh, a a series. Um, that we just ended uh, like a week, a week or two ago called Under the Banner of Heaven.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, I read that. I, I watched that, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, I know, eh? Wow. That was, yeah, so... Andrew Garfield, what an interesting guy. He's such a great actor. Yeah, he really is. So I, I, fa- I found that, like, um, I found that, oh, yeah, it was just, it was deeply troubling. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, Mormons trying to come to terms with, like, their yeah. faith system and... Yes, in in the midst of a grisly murder, so terrible, it's yeah, crazy, yeah, right?
0: I know it really is. Yeah, that was, and it's and yeah, based on a true story of this double murder that took place like in two thousand nine or ten or something like that. Y- I think. Yeah, I, I thought it was earlier
1: than that. Uh, I could be not. wrong. I thought it was. I thought okay. it was
0: around then, but it could be that could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a good one though. Andrew Garfield's interesting because he's this guy who I believe is still an atheist. He would say he's an atheist. Yeah. But he keeps on showing up in films that are very faith-based or very like interesting. Like he was in one hundred percent. Well, uh, he was in Silence by like Martin Scorsese, yeah. right? The that that yeah. novel that's all about uh, wrestling with faith and yeah. wrestling with. He was a Catholic priest. In Catholic that priest, yeah, yeah, totally. He was, uh, yeah, who's, who was sent to try to convince someone who had sort of walked away from the faith or something yes. to come back, and and then he was in the um, the Mel Gibson. Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge so he's, he's a, a seven-day Adventist. Yes, yeah, a, yeah. a, a, a pacifist who refuses to actually yeah. bear arms. Yeah. Um, and he's yeah.
1: He was Jim Baker. He was Jim in, Baker. Through yes. Through the eyes of Tammy
0: that was a Fibbert. great movie. Yeah. yeah. Tammy Baker, very um, sympathetic to Tammy Baker. Yeah. yeah.
1: And now he's a Mormon.
0: And now, and now he's a Mormon. <laughs> I know. Well, he's not a Mormon. I, well, yeah. I oh, mean, no. You know what? Yeah. You know, I shouldn't. I won't say anymore. But yeah. Right. I mean, he's. It's. He has that wrestling match. Uh, yeah. That's a great movie, great show. Yeah. So he's been a
1: Catholic, a Seventh-day Adventist, a charismatic televangelist, and a Mormon. And a Mormon, yeah, he's just... He's, so crazy. He's making the own. And Spider-Man.
0: So, yeah. And Spider-Man, that's true. <laughs> I forgot that he's spider I've never actually watched that one, I don't think. Hmm. Um, we, you know, what's funny, I was telling you this, Matthew, we are watching, we've been watching, On and Off is the, uh, the Formula One um, documentary yes. kind of thing. It's, I think it's called Live to Ride or Ride to Live or something, and it's um, on Netflix. It's I really, would call it Live and Let Ride live and let ride Bow. yeah exactly um it's super i i never thought i would get into it but it's really good and you get to you get kind of really start to care about these characters these different these young guys that are like trying to make a go of it. it's like the big leagues you know and i again yeah. i didn't know anything about formula huh. one and now i'm like really in now i'm sharing and I we're talking we're like, we should go sometime like it'd be so fun to go and watch like a, a race in formula one huh. anyways super good it's really uh, it's really good Another show is Bad Sisters, which is, um, it's, it's really funny. It's, it's good. It's a little, there's some crassness in it. Like, you know, it's whatever, depending on your, where your kind of filters at, like it's, uh, not explicit or anything, but there's lots of, you know, the language and there's a lot of things in it that aren't necessarily, whatever, super edifying for family watching. Um, Bono's daughter is uh, is one of the stars in no it. No way, yeah, yeah. I forget her name, but she's she's oh, cool. really great. Yeah, it's it's, cool. it's it's like a dark comedy. It's very okay. uh, it's it's quirky and and really well done. Anyway, so we're cool. enjoying that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, we should probably get to the actual podcast here, shouldn't we? Yes. Um, uh, Matthew, what do we uh, what do we talk
1: about today? So we've started this seven week series um, uh, entitled "The Jesus Revolution" and why it's really good news. And mm. we're working through seven topics. We're working through equality. Compassion, Consent, Enlightenment, Science, Freedom, and Progress. And it's all based, uh, the series is based off an amazing book by Glenn Scrivener entitled The Air We Breathe. He's an Australian guy who now lives in the UK. Uh, He's an apologist, um, works for a ministry there in the United Kingdom. And when I heard him do a talk on uh, a podcast called Unbelievable with Justin Bradley, and I I grabbed his book and I thought it was just... so good. Um, and he kind of works through these seven good ideas. Um, these seven good ideas that, that I think most people in, in Canada, the United States, in the UK, Australia, kind of Western countries, uh, would all hold, uh, to be good ideas. Right. Right. And so he kind of anchors them in what he calls the Jesus revolution or Christianity. Hmm. And, um, and uh, one of the quotes he has is from Tom Holland, who wrote the book Dominion. Um, and 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 Tom Holland, I don't actually think he's he's yet a Christian. He seems to be on this journey towards mm, Christianity. Yeah, but yeah. Tom Holland said, he said, um, "2,020 years after the birth of Christ, we remain the children of the Christian Revolution, the most disruptive, most influential, most enduring revolution in history." Mm. So uh, on Sunday, I said, you know, I know that's a big claim. And no one has to agree about that yet. Mm. But what if we took these seven really great things, these great values, we explored them and maybe tried to follow some of the breadcrumbs. And would they potentially lead us back to Jesus or Mm. the Jesus revolution? So that's the idea. And uh, loved the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was really great. I've been excited about this series just because I think part of it I was was sharing with you that I've got a, a friend of mine and I have been dialoguing back and forth about about whether it's is it is it fair to say that Christianity is responsible for those things that and you made a point of saying like we often we'll we use the language of saying well it's common sense or it's like yeah. it's built in and i think what i've wrestled with in the past and you and i have talked a lot about this too is like is the idea of of what what does seem to be intuitive and your argument of course is that is that this is, it's not intuitive actually it's 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 built in it's we are breathing the air of, uh, we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're swimming in the water of Christianity is what you, yes. what you've said. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis, we've talked about this in Mere Christianity. Um, he makes a point at the beginning of the book in his argument for, for faith in God. He just says, well, it's based on the two ideas. One idea is that we all have a sense, uh, that there is a right and wrong, that there's a standard, right. uh, of right and wrong. um, and then later on, he actually talks about what we all, and he argues, what we all know in our gut is wrong, let's say, mm. for instance. Um, so number one is that we all know there's a standard, and number two, uh, we all know that we individually fail, we, and, as a group, of course, but as, as a community, but also, but we just fail to reach that standard. Mm. So he yeah. said that's actually the basis for it. And I remember you and I talked a bit about, about that as well, about saying, well, you know, so he goes later on, he says, like, everyone knows that. I think he says maybe I don't want to misquote him based on this conversation, but he said, you know, everyone knows that um, uh, to be a betrayer, let's say, or to abandon your your people, let's say, in a time mm-hmm. of need is bad. Right. We we just know it in our gut, you know. Uh, we we know it's 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 bad to hurt someone who is. Actually, I, don't, I that's the one that I remember he did say. I don't remember the other. Ex- he gave, gave a couple examples, I think. Um, so I found that interesting, but I think you your argument is kind of more like even though there may be a certain level that that sure we all have as image bearers of god we all have a certain level that we that is built into us but when yeah. it comes to specific things like yeah like equality and like you know consent and like whatever these these things are actually very much based in the christian teachings of jesus
1: yeah and and i always you, you just sound like a total i feel like i sound like a total idiot when i would want to disagree with C.S. Lewis, right? <laughs> but because it's like not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but because I love C.S. Lewis and I love so much that he writes, I I find that difficult to wrap my mind around. Because first of all, I feel like how could we ever test the case of right. like somebody in a total vacuum, hmm. what they would believe right and wrong to be, or how they would live their life if if they were had no outside influence. <laughs> hmm. What would their conscience say about right and wrong? It's right. very difficult to, to test that, hmm. I think. But anyway, and one of the things that you had mentioned was that C.S. Lewis talked about that betrayal, but mm-hmm. I had told you that there was this story of yeah. these famous missionaries, uh, the Richardsons, that went to. I think it was Papua New Guinea. And yeah. that, that when they were telling the story of Jesus and Judas, they started thinking Judas was the hero. They were cheering at Judas because right, right. Judas had betrayed Jesus. And for them, that was a high value in their in their tribe. And these missionaries are like, oh no, they think the bad guy is the good guy in the story. Right, And that felt more like a test case, uh, uh, an interesting um, example of like a, a culture that was cut off from mm. outside civilization, Yep. yeah, and they had a very w- wacky idea of what was right and wrong mm. because they had no outside influence, right? So I just thought, I, I don't know, I. So I still struggle with that. I yep. think, I think what Glenn Scrivener is trying to do with this book is say, uh, many of the things that we, like, if you test two things, test Christianity against the ancient world and test Christianity against modern atheism. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are two things. Those are two things we can kind of do a test yes. yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So I think each week what I'm trying to do, and I think what Glenn Scrivener is doing is he's, I mean, he doesn't say this, but this is what he does in each chapter. Yeah. It's like, let's look at the ancient world. How did Christianity pair with pre-Christian you know, uh, religions right. and yeah. cultures? And then how does Christianity interact now with either atheism or other faiths now? Right? right, and I think it starts to look like in the West we've we've adopted these values that that seem to be very Christian. Hmm. Um, totally,
0: yeah, yeah. I get it, and I, and I know we won't necessarily park here too long. I think, I think what I find, what I, because I actually I really in, I I thought your I thought the message was so good. And I felt really felt like you if if it was a debate or something, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I would think that Matthew that would have been so strong. Like that would your opponent would have been like, oh, that's that's he's making some fantastic arguments. So. I feel like I've been convinced in our conversations too, more and more that it does make sense. I think what I what I wrestle with maybe, and maybe it's just the sort of the purity level of it all, which which is maybe useless actually, um, is the idea that, so you're like the, I guess when you say, how would anyone know the difference between right and wrong? I guess it's that image of God in each human being that I'm appealing to a little bit to say, right. there must be some for anyone, no matter like, so let's say someone who, who has grown up in, Iran, let's say, you know, or where, where there may, when this person has never heard anything about the Jesus way, let's yes. say, you know, yes. Do we, do we think then that this person, and again, I know, you know, like, here's an exaggerated version of that. Do we think then that this person is destined to become a monster? Because who knows, you know what I mean? There's just no, they have no, no compass at all. Their, their conscience, right. they have, they're not being, I think that's more what I wrestle with because I'm like, gotcha. that doesn't seem realistic to yeah. me.
1: No, no. We believe in that the image of God, the Imago Day makes sense for the person who has never heard the gospel, right? They are right. actually an image bearer. Yes. But Genesis 3 also says there's a stain of sin, right, mm-hmm. in, in the world. And so it's hard, right? Like what part? I think it's very difficult to figure out which part is the image bearer. Are we reflecting our Father in heaven? Hmm. And what are the things that our impulses tell us Hmm. that are actually part of our sin nature? That's why it's difficult. But I agree with you that like I think every human being reflects the image of their creator. Right. So you're right. You're totally right. Hmm. I just find it it's very difficult to to find a, a test case. Like yes, find me somebody who has never been influenced by somebody else. Right, right. It's it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we're kind of more dealing in this series with kind of the world we're living in now. Yeah, and where yeah, totally. where did we get? Where do our influences for morality and ethics come from?
0: Yeah, you cool. Know? I like it. Yeah, that makes total sense know. to me. It's good. Yeah, no, I, I and it's cool because you said that you. Uh, I know we're gonna keep moving here, but sure. you've gotten some emails right from people that have yeah. been that were really impacted by yesterday's sermon, which is really awesome.
1: Yeah, it's been cool, and I just want to thank. uh Anyone who has emailed in, if you're listening to this, like, thank you for your emails. Like it's, it's, it's neat to see people interacting with, okay, if, if it's true that all people are created equal, what does that mean uh, when it comes to my enemy Mm -hmm. and someone who is not behaving well, like how do I see them as a, as an, as equal image bearers or, or somebody who's saying I'm, I'm struggling with deconstruction. Like I'm, I feel like I'm, how do I unlearn a bad view of, of Jesus? Um, Sure. Stuff like that. So, yeah. Totally. Interesting. Yeah, right. That's Those are great questions. Yeah, very cool. Um, and so, really, we, we want to talk about a few things that I wasn't able to like fit into the sermon. Mm-hmm. But just really quick, can I just quickly go over to some yeah, key yeah. ideas from the sermon? Just to, if you haven't listened to the sermon, some of the key ideas were that... Uh, using Dr. Seuss's line, a person is a person no matter how small, That, that every person, no matter how young or poor, sick, marginalized or oppressed, that every person matters. That was kind of the main idea. And that we root, that that is rooted in Genesis chapter one, on the first page of the Bible, where we read, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So that this is just like a solid part of our faith, that we believe that every human being uh, reflects their creator, their father in, in heaven and that Jesus really lived this out everywhere. He went his, his life modeled a vision for equality um, and that his followers lev- lived out a revolution of equality mm. um, starting in Jerusalem and spreading all over uh, all over the world. Mm. And so um, and so I'm going to say a little bit more about this later, but like I believe that it really did change Western civilization. Mm. So I'd like to talk about that specifically, but I'll just park that for a second. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But the two things I just want to remind people of is just we tried to explore, first of all, do we find equality in the natural world? And I don't think so. Hmm. And this is what Glenn Scrivener argues for He just says no two persons seem to be equal when we when we just look at them, when we measure health or capabilities or talents or appearance. And so I just want to read a quote from his book. He said this, quote, compare any two people concerning any one attribute. And what will you conclude? This one has more than that one. This of course is the definition of unequal. To insist that two people are equal, really, when every human trait betrays inequality raises the question, equal how? Where is this magical realm where their equality exists? Can you show it to me? So I really I really thought that was really compelling. Like I had actually never thought of it that way before. Mm. And, um, and again, in a few minutes, I have another quote from a guy named Yuval Noah Harari that I'd love to unpack a little bit more about that. Yes. Like, yeah. how do we find equality in the natural world? Mm. But the the final thing I want to just in just introducing the, the, the sermon here is do we find equality in the ancient world? And, uh, and I don't think we do. And, and uh, there were pr- numerous places you could go, but one of the places Glenn Scrivener went was to Plato and Plato's understanding of justice is when the hierarchy of society remains in place. So when men rule over slaves and women mm. and so uh, hit his idea of injustice is when um, that gets all out of whack, <laughs> that hierarchy. Right. Yes. And so Glenn Scrivener, again, he wrote, quote, we consider justice to mean the equalizing of persons, but the classical world considered justice as an enforcement of inequality. That's what nature intended.
0: Hmm.
1: So, so I found it interesting that in the ancient world, it's not equality as we know it. Right. At all. Yes. Right. Yeah. That that this idea of that humans are not on the same playing field it, with equal value and dignity. Right. Um, and and then when we look at the natural world around us right now, how could you prove that? Hmm. So. So, yeah. Anyway, that was the idea of the sermon on Sunday. Um, and it really feels like equality is a belief.
0: Hmm. Yes. It's, right. and,
1: and actually, Glenn Scrivener is quite provocative. He says it's a belief that that you can't prove. Right. it actually takes faith hmm. to believe that every person on the planet no matter who they are is made equal in yeah. the eyes of God he says you're more of a person of faith than you might think hmm. like you're putting your faith in a belief right it's yeah. very provocative it is I yeah.
0: really like that I loved your I love the point that we talked about um Thomas Jefferson no yeah 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 the uh, the when he the um self-evident uh, that all yeah. men are created equal and then of course, He's, he owns slaves, clearly didn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, he, he owned slaves at Monticello. Right. And he never let the slaves free. Huh. So, so Samuel Adams yeah. didn't own slaves. So like his own friend <laughs> didn't own slaves. George Washington owned slaves, but I'm told he set them free in his lifetime.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: But Jefferson, who actually wrote these words, yep. kept them his whole life. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm like... You had friends, literally, in the founding of America, who one never owned them because it was against the idea, and yeah. the other that set them free, but you kept them their whole life or your right. whole life. So I'm like, it's weird, right? Like, like clearly there was a conscience thing at work in some of the founding fathers. Yes, yeah, but yeah, totally. Yeah, it's
0: and it's interesting what you say, like the idea of um, I, I like that Glenn uh, Scrivener, is that right? Yeah. Um, his his point about how you can't you can't prove it because, and actually, you can. You can, I could see how you can't prove it because I know. Well, it just, you think back on, um, like, when I think about myself in school and you would look at other kids who just, for whatever reason, just couldn't get it together or whatever, you know, and, and it was yeah. easy to just be judgmental and be, and to kind of sort of place value on different people. And sorry, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean only kids. We do this as adults, absolutely, as well. Yeah. But I, just, I can think back in my own life being like, without even articulating it, being like, oh yeah, that person is just, you know, for whatever reason, just kind of down the, way down the uh, the ladder, you know, kind of thing. Like not, That's right. Not in any way as valuable as as this person or that person, and um, and again, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of it in those terms, but that was kind of what what we're doing. And I think about I was thinking about the movie The Island. Have you ever seen the movie The Island? No, no. It's an older one. Of, I think it's called The Island with Leonardo DiCaprio, and uh, there's a couple other people in it. But it's it's a fascinating movie, and it's I think the idea is this group of teenagers. Basically, there's this. I think there's like I'm probably going to butcher this. So if you've seen the movie. Don't be mad at me. But they they basically are going to go to this deserted island, I think, and create their own kind of utopia is the idea. Hmm. They're going to go and they're going to like it's going to they're going to party. They're going to you know, it's going to be awesome. They're all like young, good looking, you know, and so they do it. And it seems like amazing. Like, it seems so fun until one of them. And again, I hope I'm not butchering this gets gets sick. They get an infection or something and they become they start kind of dragging the mood down because mm-hmm. they're really actually quite deathly ill. They're quite sick. And more and more you can see how people are just like starting to be like, Hey, let's just push that person out. Like let's get rid of that person we don't like. It's just he's totally he's dragging us down. Like it's wow. suddenly this person no longer has that same that same kind of value, that inherent value, just yeah. because it's like, Well, this person is no longer good looking and partying and funny and like playful and like, you know, right. all the, it's just like now he's just kind of like, he's just kind of laying there moaning all the time and he's right. kind of gross now because he's swelling up and he's, you know, like it's, so it's, it's, I remember being like quite, quite impacted by the idea of that. And, and then I think of course about terrible things like the other yeah, third Reich. And you think about yeah. all the experiments on, on, yes. you know, people that were had disabilities
1: and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's awful. Well, can I just say what you're saying right now is actually for next week. Oh, like it's on compassion. Oh, yeah. So why should those people on that island have compassion on that one person? Hmm. Um, And the idea of compassion is, you know, a culture is judged by how it treats its weakest citizens or the Hmm. its most poor citizens or whatever. Right. Hmm. Nations are judged that way or cultures are judged that way. Right. And so that island of those people in that movie, they're being judged by how they're going to treat for the person, the person. With the wound, right. right? Yes, yeah, yeah, and uh, so yeah, that, I'm I'm gonna try to. Uh, that's cool. I'll I'll look into that this week because yeah, yeah. I want to do that it out. next week. Yep,
0: yeah, I, I hope I didn't butcher. It, but I know that's there's that's definitely part of the a big the theme of the story. So right, yeah, very cool, cool. It's interesting because I think it was Plato, by the way, also that said because you quoted Plato. Did you see it just now or no? Uh, uh, it, on Sunday, I did. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. and he because I actually when I when I preached back in August, I think he also had a great quote So like uh, the measure of a person is what they do with power. Ah, which right. is really interesting too. Actually, yes. you know, t- to take these two ideas <laughs> together yeah. is kind of fascinating. So, anyways, yeah.
1: Oh, um, totally. Yeah, and that's the thing is that he contributed contributed great things, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But his worldview was steeped in this hierarchy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so one of the pushbacks that I, I've received on the sermon on Sunday yep. was that I kept talking about Western civilization. So mm. I just want to say, take a minute to explain what I mean. Sure. So I'm I'm grabbing that from from Glenn Scrivener's book, yep. the idea of Western civilization, and because there are people that even are part of our church that that work, don't don't come from a Western worldview right. or whatever. So yep. there's. Uh, immigrants to Canada who come from different nations that maybe mm-hmm. aren't as influenced by Western thought. yeah, And also, we also have like a, a bad vibe sometimes with Western thought, sure. right? Yeah, like there's totally. a lot of critique yep. about Western culture and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So I think I just want to define this a little bit. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, um, and what I think Glenn Scrivener is getting at, is that we live in a post-Christian culture. And what that means is that our culture right now is reacting to Christianity. Hmm. It's not reacting to Islam, right? It's uh, it's not reacting to Hinduism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not yet, I don't think, reacting to atheism. We're post-Christian, meaning right. Christianity has been for a couple thousand years in the West. <laughs> hmm. Often, the worldview or the operating system, the Bible, has been. Uh, at work, right? The church has been influential in, in the West. So like Western Europe um, and into North America and so into South America too. So like Australia, like countries, countries or, or uh, continents like this are, are actually deeply influenced by Christianity. So right now, as a lot of people are, are leaving the church, there's a reaction to Christianity. I think, and so, if anyone wants to know more about that, uh, Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer have a podcast called "This Cultural Moment," mm-hmm. and there, there's a lot of talk about w- how you define post-Christian. Mm. And so, uh, I like to think of it as the teenager who reacts against their parents. Right. Right. right? Yeah. You think your friends, your friends' parents are cool. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've got a lot to t- teach you, yes. but your own parents, they're the worst. Right. You don't want to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think. Like Christianity in the West is like the parent, right? Right. You're done. You, you, you're you like, I know them. I know what that's about. And now we, re, we pivot against it, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe some other parents like uh, uh, Eastern thought, like Taoism or Hinduism or... Or maybe atheism, or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. we like to dabble with those parents, <laughs> right. right, and learn from them because they're not the big, big bad guy that is that has kind right. of led things for a while. So I think we are uniquely post-Christian hmm. in Canada, and I think this book is speaking to to those of us who have who are in that place right now that we're reacting to Christianity, and um, and uh, Oz Guinness, he's an author. He he says we're like cut flowers. Hmm. in the West. So like when you cut a flower, it only will last for a certain amount of time when it's not connected to its roots. Hmm. And Mm -hmm. he said a lot of the beautiful things that have come in Western culture um, are there currently but we're like cut flowers. Like how long is this going to last if we stop believing in God? If Hmm. we stop holding to the truth of scripture, how long will some of these beautiful things like equality, compassion, (laughs) how long do they last? Right. 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 You're you're cut flowers. You've cut yourself off from the foundation. And uh, Sid Fenson, when we talked on Sunday, Sid goes to our church. He said he thinks a post-Christian culture Is 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 living in the echo of Christianity? Hmm. I like Hmm. that that idea. Like it's a a musical idea, you know. Like we're living the echo of it. We still, you know. So so our neighbors are not, you know, our neighbors around us or colleagues may not be Christians, but they're living in the echo of Christianity. Right, Um, totally. And then he also used a great image. He says Christianity gives our Western worldview uh, our mental furniture.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. I I like that. It's kind of like our
1: mental furniture. So we. We may not believe in God at all, and mm-hmm. we may call ourselves atheists, but we still have this vision for equality or compassion that it's like, hey, you're, you're holding on to some mental furniture that <laughs> yes. may not be found in total atheism, right? You, right. You, you couldn't actually build a living room off of, you know, just pure atheism. So anyway, so I think that's what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to keep it at what I know. Yep. Yep. Uh, Glenn Scrivener is trying to keep it at what he knows, mm-hmm. Western civilization. Yep. And specifically to churches that are interacting with a post-Christian culture.
0: Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. I think mm,
1: it's funny because I know you
0: and I know what you're saying is it totally makes sense. I think it's funny because I feel like the the unfortunate extreme version of what you're saying, maybe not extreme, but like, you know, when I, I just remember like, you know, you hear about all the uproar in seems like it's often more in the States than in, in Canada, where it's like, you know, they're like taking out the Lord's Prayer out of schools. And it's like, you know, we, uh, what is it, we wouldn't let God in our schools. And so he was a gentleman and, and didn't, you know, that whole, that kind of, uh, right. that, um, whatever, that kind of rage, you know, but it. it's like, we've, we didn't, we don't let God uh, influence us anymore. And so guess what? God has, you know, he's, he's basically acquiesced to what we've, what we've done, you know, kind of thing, which I don't love. Cause I'm like, well, it sort of looks, makes God look like he's He's, um, you know, just vulnerable and can't, you know, he doesn't know how to how to do anything if we don't let him do something. But I know that's not what you're saying when it comes to being cut flowers or like, you know, being. It's more a. I think you're saying it's
1: more as though we're. Can I give you an example? Give me an example. Yeah, yeah. It's next week. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Good Samaritan Mm, and compassion. Yep. So we can have a dialogue next week about it. But the Good Samaritan is just ingrained. It's that idea is in just the, it's in the psyche. It's in the, it's in the echo. It's in the, it's in the culture. Hmm, Like we talk about good Samaritans. Yes. He was a good, a news anchor. Yeah, yeah, right, right. We'll talk about, oh, there was a good Samaritan Mm -hmm. today that helped someone off the road or whatever. Yeah. Like, so that's wonderful and all. Yeah. And I like it. But like, if we cut ourselves off from the God who gave us the good Samaritan story. Yeah. Um, you can only like a cut flower last a certain amount of time right? before the bedrock relationship with that God who gave us that. that mm. Like we now think good Samaritan is normal. Right. You yeah. should be a good Samaritan. Totally. And, and what I'll say next week, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're, we're just arguing about how best to be a good Samaritan. Right.
0: Yes. Like even yeah. in
1: politics, what's the best way to lead a country? Right. We're all arguing about the best way to be a Samaritan. Totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not wondering, should we even serve people? Hmm. Like that's not even in question, you know? Um, well,
0: but, but I, I think maybe that's what I'm getting at. Though, And again, I, I, not to, I'm not trying to jump in on next week, but like, sure. I feel as though, like, you know, w- w- the whole, you know, Donald Trump and immigration, right? That big thing came up and it's like, well, we don't want like, you know, this, there's too many immigrants coming into the, you know, like, and then other Christians were, were appalled, of course. And of course we have to, we have to be good Samaritans in this way, or we have to be like, oh, I see. that's yeah, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, so I think yeah. it, I think it does creep into politics um, what I was going to ask you, maybe a question and you can just decline if you don't want to answer it now, but like, w- in what ways have we cut ourselves off from Christianity? Maybe that's a better question because I feel like it's not, at least in my mind, it's not that's, While we don't do the Lord's prayer in school anymore. That's why God is like, that's,
1: that's, that's
0: the snipping of the, of the flower out of the roots. Oh, that's a good question.
1: Okay. This is, this is helpful. I don't like angry Christians talking about politics. I don't like that. Me too. I'm the same way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. What I'm talking about cutting off is, is actually more of like, I really care for the person, let's yeah. say in my life, my neighbor, you know, my family member, whatever, who says, um, I don't want Jesus. I don't want Christianity. Mm, right. But I'm going to continue to believe in equality, compassion. I actually want to say, that's really good that you're continuing to believe in equality and compassion. Yes, I don't yeah. want to take that away. Right, of course not. You know, yeah. I'd love to just in- reintroduce you or introduce you to the first time to the God who. So when I say cut flowers, all I mean is that I don't know if our secular culture has grappled with the implications of atheism. Hmm, right, that's right, what right. I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying that's a good way of putting it. If you live out true nihilism, or truly, uh, which I know is not exactly the same as atheism, but I'm saying uh, uh, just the idea that life has no meaning. Yes, yeah. There's no purpose to life, right? Mm -hmm. Is it just survive? You know, what is it? We have never tested that Hmm. fully in a culture. Right. Fully. Now, some people point to the Third Reich. They point to Stalin's Russia. Yeah, yeah, You know, They they point to, like, Communist China or something like that. And those might be some examples. Some people think those are too grim of examples. Yes. Okay. But fair. But I'm saying we don't know what a culture looks like when that is played out in its entirety. Hmm. And I'm saying I think it's actually good for a culture when a lot of people have the Good Samaritan in the in the echo of their mind, mm-hmm. in the in the mental furniture, in the mental map. Right. Right. Yeah. If they have the Good Samaritan there, I think culture is going to be better off. Yeah. And I'm totally. not even saying whether the person actually worships Jesus or not. I'm saying if if all of my neighbors in my neighborhood had the idea that the good Samaritan story was a good idea, mm-hmm. I think our neighborhood will flourish. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I got you. Whether or not those people are Christians or not. Right. Now my my goal is I think you I think you should be a Christian. <laughs> right. Cuz I think then you're going to get to know and be in relationship and receive life from the God who gave you that story. Yes, yeah. So I don't mean it in like some weird Fox News, Donald Trump, let's make America great again, or something like that. I'm not saying that. Gotcha. I'm saying a cut flower is simply a neighbor who doesn't, it's the, they don't know who to worship. (laughs) They don't know who to thank. Yeah, yeah, the Chesterton idea. The Chesterton idea. Yeah, Yeah, they're like, oh, I I think Good Samaritan is good. But they're like, oh, but that came from somewhere. I want you to know where that came Mm -hmm, from. Totally, Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's great. Okay.
0: Good answer. Finally, last thing I just want to say, and then I know we got to move on. Um, no, no. It's just, I, I feel like when you're talking about the, the parents, the teenagers and their parents, I think it's worth pointing out that one of the things that does happen as you become a teenager, in the midst of a lot of bad stuff, uh, is that you you also do begin to see the flaws, the legitimate flaws in your parents. Yes. Right? And so I'm going to, I just, I yes. just want to like, you know, to... Because there are people, let's say, deconstructing. Um, They're deconstructing things that probably need to be deconstructed. Like you, you know, you think about people that are saying, "I was taught," like uh, you know, I was like the only Jesus I ever knew was you know a Jesus who somehow was aligned with our military and our you know the idea of like you know protecting the country at all costs or whatever else you want to think of. Right? I didn't know that Jesus was this this wonderful gentle compassionate person who who cared for the least of these and who you know like lifted up women like you know in that in a culture where women are really not lifted up and so i anyways all that to say is that it's just worth saying maybe that that analogy that image i think is helpful because it's like yeah and there are some things that we can critique which i know you talked about yesterday too it's like we have a sordid history as christianity as the church um it doesn't mean that we throw it all out we don't Throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: Yeah, <gasps> here it is. We had to, yeah, we had to put it in there somewhere. Yes, that's that right. phrase shows up in every <laughs> right. podcast. Every podcast baby, gotta gotta water. Water. baby in the bathwater. Baby in the bathwater. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. No, that's a good point. It's yeah. it works both ways. Yeah, totally. And so Christianity needs to be, and 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 again, not to keep. Uh, okay, I don't need to apologize about this, but like like saying Christianity, uh, you know, is always the hero of the day. Although I do think so. I think it's the right way to live. I think mm-hmm. it's it's um it is the true faith mm-hmm. for the world but i think christianity gives us the tools to 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 correct ourselves right yes yeah, like yeah that's you, true too if you notice um and i was feeling this for for i, I think i told you once the story of like after nine eleven, i went to we my friend and i went to a mosque because hmm. we were genuinely trying to understand Muslims, right? Like I was 21 years old and I was just like, I don't understand Muslims. Hmm. And what I didn't find, and this is not a, this is a generalization. I'm sure there were critiques, but it didn't feel like there was massive critique of certain Islamic thought Hmm. amongst Muslims. Right. Right. And I'm like, Oh, a healthy faith is a faith that knows how to critique itself. Hmm. It has voices on the inside that are saying something's not right here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm sure Islam has that. Hmm. I'm sure. I just probably am not aware of that, but they're not as vocal as sometimes we find uh, at least I, and I know I'm on the inside of Christianity, but like we do a, we quite often, uh, uh, well, there's this thing called the uh, Reformation, right, right, totally. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Reforming, we're yes. constantly, and this idea of constantly reforming of of mm-hmm. of actually being critical of of our. So I feel ourselves. like we, yeah, yeah. And I, and again, it's I, I'm not saying we've always done this perfectly. There's always more to critique, but I'm saying in our DNA we have this idea of Jesus turning over tables in the temple, yeah. mm-hmm. right, like. We, we corrupt religion is bad. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we have it almost like as part of our thing where we will, we will critique ourselves, mm. um, which I think is healthy. Totally. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Cool. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, there's a, there's a quote that I thought was really interesting um, by uh, author uh, Yuval Noah Harari mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Harari is not a Christian. He, he wrote a book called Sapiens um, oh, yeah. and Homo Deus. Um, but he, he sees that equality and human rights um, are not found in the natural realm. So this is what he argues as an atheist. He says he would, he would disagree with Thomas, Thomas Jefferson that equality is not self-evident, right? Hmm. He says it comes from somewhere else. He, he, he writes this, quote, human rights are not an objective reality. They're not a biological fact about homo sapiens. Take a human being, cut him open look inside and you'll find the heart, the kidneys, neurons, hormones, dna. but you won't find any rights. the only place you find rights is in the stories that we have invented and spread. Hmm. hmm. now okay, so harari believes that human rights are found in the quote stories we tell? right, yeah. and so he sees as christianity as just a story, right? right, yeah, yeah. story alone. that's it. hmm. Um, and obviously you and I would disagree with that, right? It's it's the true story. It's a real story. Yeah. Um, uh, Which, okay, fine for now about his point, but his point is that equality and human rights are not found in the natural world. Cut us open, he argues, and you won't find rights. You have to believe in a story, right, about Mm. equality or human rights. So I found that quote really fascinating. Um, It connects with what we were mentioning earlier, but I'm like, oh, here's an atheist saying, Yep, nope, you cannot find. And actually, I actually had a great discussion with uh, our friend Andrew about this, hmm. wondering if if human rights and um, equality are the same thing, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so so I, I have not landed that plane yet. Do human rights flow from equality? Right. Um, how does that work? But anyway, so it might be a little bit of an apples and oranges here, but I did think his quote was interesting. The idea that I have a right, he's like, no, I don't see that. <laughs> hmm, I don't right. see it in the natural world. Yep. You have to believe a story to believe that. Hmm. And I thought, oh, he's actually one step in the right direction here. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. he's actually, I don't know, I would say keep going yes. Harari and explore, explore the stories. Yeah. Uh, but I think you'll find that in Christianity, uh, you'll find a beautiful true story. Totally, yeah. it's yeah, is to- It's very true. I,
0: it's funny. I remember like, and it's true about the survival of the fittest, like the way which is what we see in the natural world, hmm. which is kind of horrific a lot of times. I actually totally. realized. I remember years ago as a kid, I went to teenager. I think I went to a debate. It was a, one of those Christian debates, like a, a Christian versus an atheist, oh. and um, uh, and the guy, the atheist, I remember him saying that he he abandoned God or his faith in God. He was at his cabin one night, and he heard this horrifying basically what it was was like it was like a a wolf or a pack of wolves taking down a deer or something wow it was he said it was horrible he could hear the shrieking you know just this terrible oh, terrible, oh, terrible event yeah and i remember i remember hearing that and kind of being judgmental actually and be like 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 really that's you know that seems kind of funny that that's that's what's actually uh you know taking down your faith in god kind of thing sure but honestly as i get older i'm like actually i do i understand like i do get it that it's like That is horrifying. It's a horrifying picture. And I think I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm, I think I'm getting more sentimental towards animals, especially dogs. (laughs) But like, but it's true. It's, but unfortunately it's, it it is, he's right. This like, uh, whatever this guy's name is. like, as far as saying that, um, that we don't see it in the natural world, we actually don't at all. We see, you see, it's pretty, it can be, it's pretty cutthroat. (laughs) It's it's literally survival of the fittest. Yes. Um,
1: hmm. So, so, so I think, I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't read his whole book on Sapiens, right? Yeah, I yeah. haven't read the book. But I I wonder like then how do you how does he build human rights? Right. Um, yeah. Where where do you get those? At? And and I'm just like, "Oh my goodness, like this is such a gift from Christianity." Totally. <laughs> you know, and I know Christianity has its faults, and I hope every week I can be honest in the sermons about about the faults that Christianity has. Yes, right. Like in 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 terms of not in its in its doctrine or in Jesus, but Mm -hmm. in how we've lived it out, right? Yeah, For sure. We've got to own the stuff that we've done, but it's like such a good thing for the world.
0: Yes. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a, I remember the, sorry, not to keep on quoting movies, but I keep on being reminded of this is the, uh, the invention of lying.
1: Are movies your quiet time?
0: <laughs> I, have you made, are you Are have you, you a, new made, a new kind of Christian? Made, yeah, exactly. <laughs> new kind of Christian. <laughs> yeah, I just, I find my church is the movie theater, honestly. It's, I guess actually there are, you know, there are some churches I gather in movie theaters, but no. Um, I bet you yeah, love that book. What's that?
1: I bet you love that book.
0: <laughs> I, I did. I loved uh, all three books. A New Kind of Christian. I forget the other ones. Yeah, another. Brian McLaren. BM. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, sorry, I was going to say, uh, the invention of lying by uh, Ricky Gervais, oh. um, is it was, it could have been a really great movie, uh, like as far as just the quality of it, but it, it wasn't that great. But his whole thing was based on this, this idea, kind of what this guy is saying that, that it's like, he, like, basically he, he, he lives in a universe where there's no lying anymore. And so, mm. I'll cut to the chase real quick. His his grandmother's dying, who he loves so much, and he and she's on, his, on her deathbed, and and he's like, and he's discovered lying. By the way, he's he's the only one that has discovered lying, so it's quite funny. He'll go to the bank and be like, "No, I'm sure I deposited that ten thousand dollar check last week." And they're like, "Oh, okay, what well, must be our mistake then? Here you go." You know, they're just <laughs> like, "Cause no one lies." <laughs> so he's on his he's with his grandma, and he says to her something to the effect of like, oh, "Like you know," she's like, well, will I, you know? I don't want to just cease to live. I don't want to cease to be. You know, da da da." And he's like, "Well." actually, grandma, like, what if I told you there's a place that you're going to go and and it's wonderful and oh, and there's a being that loves you. And, yeah, yeah. and and she's like, really? He's like, yes. You know, and then, and she dies peacefully. And sure, so then he's like, sure. oh, okay. You know, so of course he's got a total agenda. He's a, he's an, he's an outspoken atheist. Yeah. Um, but his whole thing was very much this, is like we tell ourselves these stories that make right. us feel better. And so societies do better. And, you know, so he's kind of, in a way he's making that point, but it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel
1: terribly realistic to me. Like, I'm like, yeah. But, you know, It's honest. It's It's honest, yeah. Harari and it sounds like Ricky Gervais are just saying, well, we don't actually have anything technically to give us rights or whatever, a way to live. So we've got to kind of come up with some.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yep. Right. And that's what you guys have done. You Christians have done that. That's what Ricky Gervais would say. Yeah. You guys are, you're living out this, this story that you kind of made up
1: and sure. Hey, whatever, you know. And can I just say, sometimes I feel like Christians are really negative about, like we're negative about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you know, they don't have, you know, it, you could have such a tone when you, when we say that, like, yes. you know, atheists don't have a, a way to live or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and even like, sometimes I feel amongst conservatives, it's like, you know, we, we say, oh, you know, non-Christian liberals or progressives just only talk about, you know, uh, equality or compassion or yeah, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, where are we finding beautiful bridges to mm-hmm. our neighbors? Like, like I would say to Harari and Gervais hey there's a bridge here like you only see it as a story but run with it a bit
0: yeah try on the story yeah like
1: exactly like look into Jesus like check it out like it's it's a really good story now I believe it's the true story it's the story yeah and you're not there yet but like um try it on for size maybe maybe as you step into those shoes you'll like it you know or like maybe rather than Like some of us in Canada being annoyed at just like, hey, you know, they're only talking about equality or rights or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they're not talking about the truth or Jesus or something like that. And I'm like, what? I was like, just build a bridge. It'd be like, hey, that's really cool that your neighbor likes equality.
0: Yeah. Start there.
1: Sure. Don't start angry.
0: No, I I totally agree. Exactly. That's right. It's. Because it's also not separate from, like, it's it's funny because you're like, well, talking about equality and, like, rights and, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, well, you're, like, the the God that you worship also talked about that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's, this is not just, like, they're not pulling this out of a hat, you know? No. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not a huge bridge to build, actually. You feel like, no, it's, you're close. If you're thinking that way and you really think that really matters, it's like you're on the right track. Like, you're, that that's good. Yeah, I I totally agree.
1: Hey, one of the last things I wanted to say was just... um, uh, I found that the incarnation, the story of Christmas, hmm. um, is 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 a moment that actually gives us so much dignity as human beings. So it's my final thought that I want to share here. But like I got this from uh, the book that made your world, Vishal Mangalwadi. Hmm. Um, he's a he's a uh, an Indian Christian philosopher. But he said this. He says, quote, "What if God did love human beings enough to come to this earth to save them?" and make them his beloved children. Such an act would imply that human beings were unique in the created order. The incarnation was to be the ultimate proof of man's dignity, of the possibility of man's salvation, of a man or a woman becoming a friend and child of God. And so he just, he's saying human beings have dignity because of the incarnation mm. in Jesus, because it shows a God that came down became human, and by doing that, literally raised humanity up. Hmm. Um, God becoming human, that gives every human immense dignity. And, and, and that actually, it's humanists from the Renaissance that many of them were, were Christians, I'm told when I'm reading this, hmm. that Petrarch, uh, um, an early Renaissance humanist named Petrarch, he said that God becoming man in Jesus led to human dignity. Hmm. And he says this, quote, to what higher end was humanity able to be raised than that this perfect man would join two natures in himself by a wondrous union of total disparate elements? Hmm. So he's saying, whoa, (laughs) here is Jesus who became human. And in a sense, that story of Christmas lifts humans up. And gives us worth and value and dignity. And so anyway, I love how I, I wanted to put that in the sermon somewhere, but it was just too long. So just I love how uh, the, the message of Christmas um, is a picture of, of God raising humans up, giving them worth. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Or could it be, do you think, is it wrong to say the story of Christmas, the story of the incarnation reveals to us? The dignity of human beings oh sure as yeah, opposed yeah. to in as opposed to it's like from then on you oh, know no. we were like right. which is not what you, i don't think is what you're saying but no you're right it revealed it revealed the heart of god right exactly yes. yeah and it's yes. like okay this is we may have been blinded to this before but we're yes. no longer blind to this because of yeah. the incarnation yeah i love that yeah i like that yeah that's very cool any other pushback from you or thoughts or no i don't think so i think um it's great. I'm super excited about the series. I'm really glad that you ended up here. I don't. I don't know if this was always. I, I'm not even sure when you, because I know you had wrestled with a few different ideas for a fall series. But it I was, was supposed to be on money. Yeah, <laughs> on money and the gospel. I didn't want to say it, but I was like, I think it was on <laughs> finances. Yeah. Man, this is way better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's awesome, and I love that it's. Um, I I just I feel like I know I know that people sometimes have mixed feelings. Some people have mixed feelings about. You know, we want exegetical preaching. We want like, you know, why can't we just be preaching the word, right? That you hear that sometimes. Right. Which you are anyways. It's ridiculous. Cause like obviously this is your this is steeped in scripture. But I do feel like personally, I think that it's a good time, uh, honestly, for healthy Christian churches to be reaching to their neighbors, their pre-Christian neighbors, people that don't yet know Jesus, but where there's just like a, a I think a yeah, a beautiful offering that Build credibility in a good way. You know what I mean? Like I, I just feel there's just so much garbage, unfortunately, in the world, in the news and the headlines about about Christians failing and doing stupid things and leaders. We've talked a lot about leadership and toxic leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I I personally love that we're that we're saying, hey, Christianity is 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 and should be, uh sorry, should be and often is a beautiful, beautiful um story. It's a beautiful story that we're we're part of, that we believe we're part of and and Jesus is a beautiful savior. You know, like yes. um because I think it's it, it it has gotten so mixed up in like you say in politics and in yeah. uh, in all sorts of different belief systems and
1: stuff and so anyways I love it I love that we're in this series cool mm-hmm. oh well great and and we'll do we'll we'll do another chat next week on yeah. compassion compassion that's good yep yeah
0: okay man that's great uh, how long do we go here this is uh, it's, oh it's a bit of a longer one but it's okay it's under an hour so that's good hey that's good that's really good yeah um, Matthew thanks so much uh, Thank everyone you, we love you North Langley Community we Church. Do. Have a great week, everyone.
1: Goodbye. Bye. See ya.
0: (laughs) See ya.